Good morning and welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad to see you're all here today. Would you consider yourself an emotional person? You kind of, eh, more or less emotional. Has anyone ever told you, stop being so emotional? <laughs> Maybe other people would see that. Actually, that might even feel like an insult for some guys, being considered emotional. We don't like, sometimes we don't like being thought of as emotional. And actually, sometimes I've even been called things on the other end of the spectrum, like a robot with no feelings, because sometimes my expressiveness is lower compared to other people. The truth is, we all experience emotions, but we might express them in different ways. So maybe, maybe you're not the type to cry in front of other people, but maybe you get set off in anger when you get cut off in freeway traffic. We're triggered by different situations. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm really glad that you're here because we're starting a new series today called Triggered. And God has a lot to say about those strong feelings and desires and impulses that we feel that you know, live in each of us. And if we give into emotions rather than rule them, it creates all sorts of problems. Consider one emotion. How about the emotion of fear? Here's a mural of Alexander the Great and the King of Persia. This is uh, depicting a war a long time ago, and the Persians ruled the known world for 300 years. King of, the King of Persia, in this mural, he's the one kind of up in the, kind of in the right third. And in the, in the painting, his eyes are full of terror and fear. This was captured. This was his last battle. He had 200,000 soldiers compared to 37,000 Greek soldiers. But he ran away. In the moment of battle, he was gripped with fear, even though he had far superior forces. And so fear, fear of losing his, his life cost him the, the empire. It's amazing what an emotion can drive us to do. Fear can hold us back from doing what's right. If it's a lower level kind of fear, maybe you just call it anxiety. Anxiety can drive us to do all kinds of things. It can drive parents to be overly controlling. Fear can drive people to push back on their leaders rather than follow. Consider another emotion. How about anger? Emotions ran hot in 2020. You probably remember how just emotions flaring up led to the destruction of many cities in the United States. Homicide detectives say that most murders are crimes of passion. People don't usually plan murders. Sometimes they do. But, but homicide detectives say most of the time it's in the heat of the moment. How many people are behind bars today because unchecked anger flared up? How many times have you done something in your life, something really foolish, in a fit of anger that you wouldn't normally do? Man, it's amazing what our emotions can lead us to do. How about, how about another one? How about depression or sadness? In our society, rates of depression and suicide are sharply increasing. This is being tracked, especially among the youth. There's an article, the picture of an article showing just how many people are battling this and, and, and people are, are seriously considering suicide at far greater numbers than ever before because of these emotions of sadness and discouragement and depression. I don't know if you've ever battled dark moments of depression. So are, are there any emotions in your life that you've battled that led you into places you didn't want to go? Have you ever wondered, what's, what's wrong with me? Like, why, did, oh, why do I do this? Why do I feel this way? How do I fix this? 
to be led around by things like fear or anger or depression, this is, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to rule over our emotions and our desires by the power of the Holy Spirit. But in our society today, this is re- it's really difficult to do that, to rule over our emotions. We've been steeped in a culture, kind of like a teabag, just steeped in the water way too long. We've been steeped in a culture that tells us to do the opposite. So, for example, I'm going to ask for some audience participation. I want to see if you can complete a phrase that you've probably heard. When, when, you're, when it comes to your dreams and your desires, we're told, we're told that you should follow your heart. Everyone know? Okay, you guys know what the, you know what the rule is. This is this is basically like scripture for our society. This is you know this yeah does this ever come up in a movie like eat this phrase or this idea come up? Follow your heart. Actually, Robin Williams, he said this about following your heart. He says, there are no rules, just follow your heart. That sounds great. Doesn't that sound good? (laughs) It sounds good, but it's not scriptural. God's word said something very different about the heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So do you want to follow something that's deceiving you and desperately sick? (laughs) That's what follow your heart actually leads us to do. So God designed us, and he knows that if we follow our hearts, it's going to lead us into a world of pain and trouble. And there was a time, I think, in our country when people may have recognized this more. People would say things like, facts don't care about your feelings. Like, Truth is solid, and it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. Truth is truth. But nowadays, it's, it's kind of like an upside-down world, and people would say, my feelings don't care about your facts. Where a person, how a person feels about something is really the, the barometer for deciding whether or not it's even true. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody, they're, losing, they're like losing an argument, and maybe they've just been confronted with some real evidence. And, but they come back with, well... That's just how I feel about it. Well, what do you say to that? There's, there's, no resp- there's no response to that. That's like a conversation ender. I just, feel, I just feel that way. If people prefer feelings over truth and logic, we're in a bad place. This is not a good thing. We're in trouble. But to some degree, I'm just going to say, I think we've all been in that boat at different times in our life. I would bet that everyone in this room has made some decisions not based on good, sound judgment and reason, but on impulse and feeling. We've all done that. I think we've all done that. You just, sometimes you just go right into things based on how you feel. There was a time I slammed the door, the front door, really hard during an argument at home. And I stormed out of the house, and I wanted it to be loud enough and hard enough to shake the walls. And it was one of many carnal, sinful moments in my life. And in that particular moment, I, I wasn't thinking my way through the situation. I was feeling my way through the situation. And when I did that, I, I just allowed my emotions and my rage to get in the driver's seat. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of us. Sometimes we don't think our way into sin. We feel our way into sin. And it doesn't take long before that leads us to a dark place, which creates damage and problems for us and for other people. So check out this list of emotions on the screen. 
anger, rage, anxiety and worry, fear, depression, discouragement, lust, strong desire. These are different kinds of emotions or different kinds of things that we feel, different passions that are deep within us. Have you ever felt any of these? I believe, I, I actually think that we're led around by our emotions and desires more than we'd like to admit. I don't know if these have ever been in the driver's seat for you in a conversation or in a, in a moment or in a relationship. I mean, you just, you just started acting based on these. Have you ever had a really bad day because of any one of these emotions? If so, stop being so emotional. <laughs> if only we're so easy. Okay, actually, I want to give you some real hope, though. You don't have to be at the mercy of any of these emotions or things like them. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to learn to rule over what we feel and what's going on inside of us. We don't have to become, we don't have to become emotionless robots. So it's not like just always do and say the right thing. It does, not, not all emotions are bad. Actually, I, th- I think God has given us emotions to bring a lot of color and, and delight to life. But we do deal with destructive patterns and habits that flow out of these. So we have to master our emotions because, and, and we can because God gives us the power and the ability to do that. In fact, this is one of the lines in your handout. God enables us to escape the damage of destructive emotions. I don't know if there's anything that you feel like you need to escape from. Any patterns or habits or emotions that really just keep grinding you. Check out this hope-filled verse from the Bible in in 2 Peter. I read this earlier this week and I've been really meditating a lot on this. This has been giving me a lot of hope. Peter writes, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Which that, first of all, is just very encouraging to me. Everything you need for life and godliness God has provided through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. This verse is saying that our world is full of corruption and damage and problems and all kinds of bad things because people are driven by their desires. Just driven, and it calls it evil desire. That Greek word for desire, it can also be translated as craving or longing or passions. Desires and emotions are not exactly the same, but they do play off of each other. And so there are There's some feelings deep inside each of us that are very persuasive and very hard to get a hold of. But instead of being, instead of being mastered by our passions, like really like most of the people in the world, God enables us to escape that and even share, actually it says share in his divine nature. That's amazing. We get to be like God in nature. So we can be self-controlled and godly like him. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. One of the ways that we can escape this corruption is to evaluate rising emotions before releasing them. So most people feel, and then they just start doing. <laughs> you just feel it, I'm gonna go for it. I just, you just, most of us, we just, our default is we led around by how we feel. We can actually learn, with the Holy Spirit's help, we can learn to stop and evaluate what we're feeling. 
And I'm going to show you an example from the Bible. We're going to look at a story of two brothers who were always at odds with each other, Jacob and Esau. They were twins, but Esau came out first, so he was the rightful firstborn son. And Esau was the, the first grandson of Abraham, which means he had incredible privilege and blessing. The, the blessing on his life and all of his descendants for a long time was supposed to endure for generations. Esau, these two brothers, Esau, on the one hand, was a hunter, a warrior. His brother Jacob preferred, he seemed like he was a sneaky guy, preferred hanging around at home. And we're, in this story, uh, Esau was out hunting and he comes home and it says, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. Maybe he didn't catch anything. Maybe it was like a rough day on catching rabbit. He, told, he said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm, ex I'm exhausted. Whatever red lentil stew Jacob was making, it smelled amazing, probably. And this is, that is why he was also named Edom, that word red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. So Jacob probably knew. It's possible that Esau had a habit of being led around by his emotions. Probably very just loud and, and, you know, he feels things and he does things. And, and so Jacob's like, oh, this, this is probably my opportunity to capitalize on my brother's desires and passions. And so he says, sell me your birthright. That was not a small thing. This, was, this would not only impact their own, like, immediate wealth, but just generations of blessing for their kids and grandkids for a long time would be impacted by this birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me? He's like, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. I'm literally starving. <laughs> Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. I hope it was delicious. He ate, drank, got up, and went away. But after the emotions cooled, look at how he felt. So Esau despised his birthright. Ugh. Jacob saw the opportunity to use Esau's emotions and strong desires for his own advantage. Esau was hot and weary and hungry, and his trigger was hunger. A lot of times for us, we get in situations that are emotional, and there's some sort of trigger that kind of gets us moving in a direction. Anyone who's ever been hangry before would probably know how Esau felt. I know if you've been hangry, you should know how hunger, it can drive you to say things you shouldn't say. Sometimes you get into an argument when, when, you know, you get home from work and you're like, let's just, actually, let's just eat real quick. <laughs> Let me just, actually, that's what I need to do. I'm like, I am hungry. Esau's desires and emotions, they took over. He's being so unreasonable. He says, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? That's not even rational. With, with all the money that he's about to inherit, he could have had 10,000 bowls of stew. He's not about to die. He just needs to get a grip on how he feels. And I would guess there was probably other food in the tent. There was maybe some bread or something that he could have had, but the desire for hot, savory soup was just in charge. That's what he wanted. He had it in his mind. And in a single moment, he made that binding oath and gave away his birthright. This later brought shame on his father, and, and it just messed things up for his descendants forever. This was, a, this was a big decision. So Esau did not escape corruption, as, as Peter puts it. But he followed his heart, and he brought damage on himself. Satisfying his desires felt right in the moment. I mean, that first bite, man, it probably felt like, ooh, this is good. It, you satisfied that desire. 
But I, I want to give you a few questions you can think of. If you're ever in a moment where something feels right, you're about to act, or you're about to say something, and something feels right, here's some questions that you should ask yourself. One is, does my perspective align with reality? I mean, if Esau would have asked this, am, am, am I even just saying what's real? No, he's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm not seeing straight. The situation that I feel is just not accurate. I might be mistaken, even though I feel right about it. Another, another question we can ask ourselves, if, if, if it feels right, will expressing this emotion enable me to move towards well-being or damage? If I go ahead and just express what I feel or I do this desire, is, it gonna, is this going to help me or hurt me? It might feel right, but what are the consequences going to be from this? this? This really, that proverb listed there, 912, it really deals with wise, wisdom or foolishness. We, we really have the choice to stop and pause and think about wisdom or foolishness. And then another question is, does expressing this emotion align with God's will? Sometimes you just, you just say what you think or you do what you feel and it feels right, but it might actually be sin. Sometimes sin can feel very right. And if I go ahead and do that or say that, I might be sowing all kinds of trouble for myself in the future. That's what Galatians 6 talks about. So these are, these are some questions, man, even though it feels right. Esau, he blew it, but I'm really not here to throw stones at Esau because I struggle with this. I have given in to impulses and desires, and some, I know that sometimes they're heavy and strong. You know, it's interesting. Jesus had the same temptation. He was in the wilderness for 40 days and nights, and he had no food. I'm sure he was very hungry. I don't know how many days Esau was out hunting in the wilderness, but I'm going to guess it was less than 40. Or I would imagine that the hunger that Jesus felt was at least the same, but probably more than what Esau felt. And instead of a sneaky brother, the person that came to tempt Jesus was the devil himself. And in Matthew, Matthew records this, it says, The tempter approached Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And probably that would have really been satisfying to Jesus. He had the power. He was very hungry. Bread, in many ways, would have really nourished his body. But he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm actually not talking, not, this is not a message on like what to do when you're hungry. <laughs> There's a lot of verses about hunger. Maybe, maybe you'll learn from this, I guess, as you go forward in the life. The point is, Jesus responded, not based on how he felt, he responded with scripture. He responded in the moment, in the passion of the moment, in the feelings, with a Bible verse. Jesus was like us in every physical way, yet he was able to overcome that strong impulse. And the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in all of us who have become his followers. Which means, that's why Peter says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So there's another sneaky way that emotions take the driver's seat and lead us into damage. I had mentioned a few minutes ago, one of the things we can do is just stop and evaluate what we're feeling before we go ahead. But there's this, there's this other thing that we get into sometimes. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say, as they're making decisions about things, and they say, I don't have a peace about that. 
we're tempted to make decisions based on whether or not we have a piece about it. For example, what if you need to reconcile a strained relationship? Or you need to confess sin? Or you need to serve somebody when you'd really rather relax? But you're like, I don't think God's given me a piece about doing those things. I don't, I'm just not, I'm not feeling the peace. Well, if you, <laughs> what, is, what, is it, what does that even mean, I guess? If someone says, I, I need a piece about it, what does that even mean? If you ask someone to, dis, to define peace in that way, they'll probably describe something emotional. It'll probably be an emotion. And beyond that, it's really unclear about what peace is supposed to feel like or how you know what you're feeling is peace or you just had like a really good meal and you're just feeling great. <laughs> One guy captured this trend on YouTube and he talks about there's all these different phrases. Maybe, maybe we've said some of these, but it kind of captures some of like the feeling driven nature that we tend to have. So check this out. <laughs> okay, have you, have you heard any phrases like that before? Or maybe you use them. Some of those phrases might be valid, you know. We do pray and God does lead us in directions. But did you notice how many phrases were based on feeling? Well, how he feels in the moment. Feelings, promptings, a sense of peace. Those can all be part of a decision-making process. But if it's the only factor... It's just this spiritual version of follow your heart. There's got to be more to it than just the way we feel. The truth is, dealing with emotions effectively will require struggle. We've, we've, got, to, we've got to embrace this hard reality. If we're going to deal with our emotions effectively, it's going to be a struggle. I'm going to say, in my marriage, there's a lot of times when I don't feel like doing the right thing. It does not feel good to confess or to forgive or to serve. I've been on a very long journey of being the kind of husband that I need to be. And try, I'm trying not to be the kind of husband that I feel like being. And that is a struggle. That is a, that's, been a, that's a long journey. It's because the Christian life is full of moments when we need to do difficult things that we don't feel good about. And God may require us to not do things that we do feel good about. Consider Jesus on the night of his crucifixion, before his crucifixion. The Gospel of Matthew records the depth of Jesus' anguish and distress. And in Matthew, Jesus said this. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. That's how much anguish he felt. Do you think Jesus felt a sense of peace about going to the cross? I don't think so. But in the end, what he said was, not my will be done, but yours, Father. In the Bible, peace, sometimes we get confused about what peace is. P 
Peace is a chosen state of mind. It follows a decision of the heart to trust God. It's a gift from God. In Philippians, it talks about this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's actually some, those are some very specific and important instructions for us to know how to deal with unpeaceful situations. And it says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace isn't something that just mysteriously descends. It follows a set of specific actions and thoughts. But, you know, perhaps a modern version, a nowadays version of this verse would read, don't be anxious about anything, but wait until you feel peace about it before you do anything. And that's where we can get off track. Truth is, we all have got strong passions and desires and emotions, and we, we experience them. Anger, sadness, fear, depression. When an emotion arises, normally we want to release it and just let it direct us. And just, I've just got to, I just got to express it. We have, we have a sense that expressing our full emotions will make us feel better. I just got to let it out. Actually, it would be wrong for me to suppress how I feel. Sometimes we think that. Most people just, just they just express it, just let it out there, how they think and feel. So I, I can't help it. It's just how I feel. Or I, I feel it's, it's their fault. They're the reasons I feel this way. The reality is people who let emotions run live very, very hard lives. Just letting the emotions run the show leads to a lot of difficulty. The thought of controlling and directing our emotions is a very radical thought. Part of the reason it's really hard to do. It does not come natural. It's a struggle. We, we, again, we have to embrace this idea that really controlling and directing my emotions is going to require struggle to make our emotions work for us. Because like I said, I think emotions are good. There is a good way that God allows them to add so much to our lives. But to make our emotions work for us, it's going to require a great deal of self-control, which happens to be commanded in the Bible. In Titus, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce, really to say no to, to get rid of ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That word passion, again, there's these, these strong things that we feel, urges and cravings and longings and things that just want to direct us. And, and most, of, most people and most of us, this is our default. Another big principle is this. To control your emotions, control your thoughts. When it comes to how we feel about things, we, we don't really have a lever inside of us that directly controls emotions. I can tell you to think of something, like think of a pink elephant, and you can think it up in a second. But I, I can't make you feel something. I can't just like instantly make you think rage or terror. I mean, we could get there through a process. I mean, you could start thinking about things. I could really paint a terrifying picture, I guess. But it takes thoughts to get there. We, don't, we can't just control the emotions with a lever. And when you need to get out of an emotion, we can't just control the lever. So when you read the Psalms in the Bible, you find the full range of human emotion that we all experience. And there's a, all the emotions that we read about in the Psalms are handled with faith. 
and we learn how to process emotions that are common to all of us. For example, in Psalm 42, 6, it says, I am deeply depressed. So, depression, sadness, despair. Have you ever felt that before? That's just a, con that's just a common human emotion. I am deeply depressed, therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Nazar. The way that the psalmist deals with his emotional discouragement is by remembering and choosing to think about something from the past. In Jesus' case, and which really is a pattern for us, is to put our minds on scripture, on something that's true and solid. But this reference here to the, the peaks and the mountains, we don't, you probably don't know what that is because you're not an ancient Hebrew person. But that was what, what he's referring to is the common story that these people all knew about is when God led them out of captivity, out of Egypt, and to the promised land. And along the journey, God led his people to defeat two kings on the east side of the Jordan. Really, they were, they were enormous people. They were like giants. They were terrifying. But God led them faithfully through battle. And so what he's saying is, I'm remembering God's power, and I remember his faithfulness in the past. And that really is the key for me to get, to really face my current situation of, of trouble and really trust God. So it's almost like the psalmist, he fell into an emotional ditch, and he was stuck with how he felt, discouragement, depression. But he was able to get out of it by choosing where his thoughts went. So we control our emotions by controlling our thoughts. That's profound. Not that many people talk about that nowadays, like control your emotions. Control Most people say, like, you can't control your emotions. This, this, is, this is like earth-shattering. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the reasons that we sing songs on Sunday. When we put our focus on words in songs that reflect what's true about God, that really remind us about his greatness and his glory and his power and what he's done in our lives, we remember that. Songs really help us with that. The Bible really helps us with that. This is really what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan. He focused his mind on God's words, not on how he felt. So when we walk through the Spirit and we rely on God for help, he allows the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So God will enable you to take control of your life and your emotions bit by bit. There may be parts of your life where emotions rule. Or, or maybe not all the time, but maybe there's just situations you get into, and every time you get in there, it's the same thing. The emotions lead to the same result. When the people of God went into the promised land, they didn't conquer the whole thing all at once. They conquered each region, bit by bit, battling one area at a time. And that's how we battle through life, too. Becoming a Christian is all about growing and conquering more and more areas of our lives by the power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. And this really glorifies God. So it's my suspicion that unchecked emotion brings a lot more damage in our lives than we even realize. Maybe we have a lot of pain, or those relationships are so broken, or things are so frustrating because of the way that we handle things emotionally, we don't even realize it. So here's, here's four big ones. Fear, enjoyment, anger, and sadness. These are, these are big ones. Fear is, but fear is one of the greatest tools of social and psychological manipulation. If you get people fearful about things, you can actually manipulate people. Enjoyment and delight 
when it's out of bounds, desire and delight and pleasure, when it's out of bounds, it can quickly lead us to places that we should not be. Anger is the most immediately damaging. Tremendous damage can happen in a second because of anger. And anger, I don't know if you ever felt this, but anger, it comes on fast. A lot of damage can happen in seconds. And then sadness is probably the most life-destroying. If you've been stuck in sadness or depression or discouragement, that can suck the life out of you for a very long time. So over the next four Sundays, we'll talk about these things. <laughs> We're going to look at each one and get really specific and practical. We'll look at what triggers these things in us. What are the positive functions, though? You know, what, what are the good things that these bring? What is the damage if any of these go unchecked? And most importantly, how do we handle each emotion rightly? And I'm going to show you an amazing tool that you can use in a moment's notice for each emotion. Because what, I guess what happens, usually emotion comes up, we feel, and then we just do. But there's actually like a, there's a slight moment in between us feeling and us doing that's the critical moment. And then I'm going to show you a tool that you can use in that, in that one to three second interval that can really change a lot of what you experience in life and really bring a lot more glory to God as we walk in a way that honors him. So here's the next steps you might consider today. Um, one is you might just take that verse from Second Peter and just praise God. Man, he has allowed me to escape corruption that comes from my desires. What a blessing that he gives us everything we need. I've just spent time this week praising him because of that. Another next step for you might be to identify an emotion that trips you up. What is it for you? What is the thing that keeps coming back? Or what is it in that one relationship that just keeps coming back? Another one, another next step might be to decide that I'm not going to be ruled by a need to always feel good. Now, if you do this next step, this one's life-changing. It means you might feel bad at times, and you might have to do the right thing and not feel good about it. You might have to do what's needed, not what you feel like doing. And if you do that, that opens up all kinds of good things. And then another next step might be, maybe for you, just you're, you'd like to come back next week for specific help on dealing with each emotion. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And uh, well, well, actually, I do thank you for emotions and the things that they add to life. And we thank you for allowing us to have a way to, to master them, to get self-control. Self-control is a big theme in the New Testament that you teach us and talk to us about. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to identify this area in, in each of our lives where we are needing more godliness and we're needing to follow you. And so help us to uh, walk in the Spirit. For those that are considering what it even means to be a follower of Jesus, I pray that you'd bring clarity there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.